Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. everyone. My name is Jenny Wilmhoff and I am a final year MDiv student at the Divinity College. I'm also um, a candidate for ordination with the Anglican Church of Canada, the Diocese of Nova Scotia and PEI. And I am speaking here from my church placement, St. Luke's Anglican Church in Dartmouth. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One day, several years ago, as I was walking to my church placement at St. John's Anglican Church in Wolfville, I came across a Luna moth. I had never seen one before, and though I didn't know it at the time, it is rare to catch a glimpse of these beautiful creatures. Lutomoths are large. They can have a wingspan anywhere between four and a half inches to seven inches in diameter. They are lime green, but the top edges of their wings are a light gray. They have what look like gray eyes on their wings and their antennas are feathery and golden brown. Though they are not rare, they only live seven to 10 days and fly at night. However, I was seeing this Luna moth on a bright sunny morning. Why? When Luna moths first emerge from their cocoons, they must rest on a surface for several hours to allow their wings to dry. For the first few hours of their lives, a substance called hemolymph the equivalent of our blood, is pumped from their abdomen to their wings. And this substance must harden before they can fly. This particular Luna moth was lying on the sidewalk leading up to the back door of the church. What struck me about the moth was its vulnerability. During this time, it was outside of its comfort zone, out in the bright daylight instead of the darkness that it likes best. But more importantly, with its wings drying on the sidewalk, it was vulnerable to being walked on by someone like me or attacked by a predator. However, it was not going to be able to live its short life without that time to dry. Vulnerability was crucial for its survival. In today's reading from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is calling for his disciples to be vulnerable. This short passage is part of the larger Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus imparts various teachings to his followers. Here, Jesus speaks about several common Jewish practices, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Jesus tells his disciples to perform these actions in secret, for your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus derides the hypocrites 
who do not perform their almsgiving, prayers, or fasting in secret, but instead perform them so that others may see. They perform them so that they may gain prestige, identity, clout. They do it to store up earthly treasures. Jesus does not condemn fasting as a practice. However, what he does condemn is practicing fasting without opening one's heart to God. The heart in the Bible is not the seat of emotion as we think of it. Instead, it is the will and the inner self. God wants a people who desire him, whose hearts are open and turned towards him. He wants a people that love God with their whole heart, mind, and strength. He wants a people that gain their life from him. Here in the gospel, according to Matthew, Jesus wants the disciples not to fast to gain the earthly treasure of prestige, but to fast so that their hearts might be open to God, that they might become dependent on God for their life. We all know that our hearts are not entirely open to God's life and love. We all turn away from God on a daily basis, and none of us are turned towards God all the time. One purpose of fasting in the Old Testament was to turn to God in repentance so that the Israelites might receive God's life once again. The practice of fasting did not open them, up, open them to God's life in and of itself. Instead, when the person turned to God, they were making themselves available to receive God's mercy. And in the Christian tradition, fasting is a way that we may turn to God so that we might receive his grace and therefore, and therefore be transformed over time. A parable of Jesus that illustrates this point is that of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee thanked God that he was not like sinners, but extolled himself for fasting twice a week and regularly giving alms. The tax collector, on the other hand, cried to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here, the Pharisee used prayer to make himself feel good. He was not seeking a relationship with God, but instead was boosting his own ego. The tax collector, on the other hand, uses prayer for its true purpose, to repent and open himself to God's life, love, healing, and guidance. It is difficult to open ourselves to God's life though, because if we do, we must recognize our need for God. To turn towards God, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to let God see all the things in our hearts we do not want him to see. The anger, the jealousy, the despair, the exhaustion, the vanity, the worry. We would rather believe we are strong, like the Pharisee, that we are able to live this life on our own. To turn to God for help, we would have to admit that we don't always get things right. We would have to admit to our own weaknesses, our own need for God. We would have to say, God, I cannot live this life alone. God, I need your help. We do not want God to see our sins and weaknesses because we are afraid we won't be accepted if we do. Other people reject us 
and we ourselves can't stand the things we think, feel, and do. How could God not reject us? Others might reject us. We might reject ourselves. But God does not reject us if we but turn to him. It would be impossible for us to face ourselves if it wasn't for the fact that when we do, we are met with God's love and forgiveness. As St. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us, rotten hearts and all. The tax collector is willing to face his rotten heart. He is willing to be vulnerable with God. He opens his heart to God by admitting his need for God. He is willing to risk God's rejection. He faces the true state of his heart and he calls himself what he is, a sinner. To open our hearts to God's life, we have to admit first that we need God and second, that there are ways that we haven't been living according to God's life. When we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with God, we allow ourselves to be transformed by God's grace so that we can go out into the world loving others as God has called us to do. It is only by being vulnerable that we can live in this world at all. Today is Ash Wednesday, when many Christians receive ashes on our foreheads to mark the beginning of the 40 days of Lent. Often when we receive ashes, the following words are said by the minister. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. These words from Genesis remind us where we come from, because God formed Adam out of the earth. But these words were said to Adam after he and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As part of their punishment, they were to die. Saying these words at the beginning of Lent reminds us that we are fallen creatures of the earth, who often forget that we are dependent upon God for our life, for our survival. For when God created Adam, he did so out of the earth, but God blew his own life into the man's nostrils. Kent Burgoyce, Baptist theologian, writes that we are foreign from the ground, but we only have life through the breath of God. Lent is a time for us to remember where we come from and what gives us life, God. To do that, we have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to face the ways that we have turned away from God. It is common for people to give up something during Lent or to take on a practice. However, before choosing something, we must first assess the state of our hearts. We often think of physical health or mental health, but we also have spiritual health too. We can ask ourselves, how healthy is my heart? To do so, we might ask ourselves the following questions. In general, are we filled with gratitude or anger and resentment? Are our lives characterized by joy or sadness? 
We might notice our relationships with our spouses, children, coworkers, or friends. Are we on good terms with others? Or are we picking fights or feeling distant? Do we feel connected to others? Or do we feel isolated? Do we find ourselves turning to food or alcohol or exercise whenever we feel down? And when we do so, what might we be avoiding? Do we have time to enjoy life, to spend time with family, friends, and ourselves, or are we just too busy? Finally, how healthy is our relationship with God? Do we talk to God often, feeling comfortable to bring whatever is on our hearts to him? Or do we feel distant or even angry with God? Engaging in such a self-examination is difficult because it can leave us feeling ashamed. We feel shame when we feel there is something wrong with us, when we believe we are bad people. We should be assured though that we are not essentially bad people. God created us as good. We do though have a tendency to turn away from God and scripture tells us of times when God is angry with his people. At the same time, God is also merciful. I would encourage you to show compassion towards yourself if you are angry with God, if you've been eating too much, if you feel distant from your friends or family. We are in a time of crisis. We have been enduring a worldwide pandemic for two years, and many of us are exhausted and burnt out. What Jesus is challenging us to do is to be vulnerable, to take our heart help to God and say, I can't do this life alone. I need your help. And the practices we choose to observe during Lent will help us to open our hearts to God's life and healing. We could decide to give up chocolate or fast from meat. We could spend time with God each day in prayer, bringing whatever we are feeling before God. We could remember daily what we have to be grateful for. We could decide to intentionally spend more time with our family or reach out to others who might also feel isolated. We could decide to spend time reading the scriptures to root ourselves in God's story. We could intentionally observe a Sabbath rest each week. Whatever the practice we choose to observe during Lent will be a chance for us to be vulnerable with God, to open ourselves up to God, to ask him to restore us, so we can be his life and love for others. We will be able to do so because we will be rooted in God's life. Which brings us back to the Luna Moth. Our timeless Lent will be one of vulnerability. Like the Luna Moth, we will be laying out on the sidewalk, waiting for our wings to harden and vulnerable to predators or passing feet. However, embracing our vulnerability is the only way for us to move forward. Without taking the time to allow our wings to harden, without taking the time for self-examination, bringing ourselves with all our exhaustion, negative feelings, and broken relationships to God, we cannot receive the strength we need to continue the journey of life. But if we do take that time and engage in that examination of heart, 
we will be able to fly. So that we may open ourselves to the new life God offers us, let us ask God as our service continues for the courage to lay our hearts before him, no matter what may lay inside, so that we might receive God's healing and life. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.